Welcome to this edition of the God is Your Life broadcast. This is Reverend Mark Slay inviting you to join me for the next few minutes as we get into the Word of God. Deuteronomy 30:20 tells us to love the Lord your God, obey His voice, and to hold tight to Him. For this is your life. I'll be back in a few minutes, but for now, let's listen as I teach from the Word. need to reverence and respect and realize what you have in your possession with this Bible and what God intended it to be. Second, or Second Timothy, excuse me, not Peter, Second Timothy first. We will go to Second Peter in a minute. But Second Timothy chapter 3, we'll start with verse 14. And you, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood you've known the sacred writings. Now, of course, Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy was raised in reading the scriptures. To Timothy, since there was no New Testament yet, it was actually being written at that time, the only sacred writings that Timothy could have known as a child was the Old Testament. But the Old Testament itself is sufficient to show and lead us to the plan of God. I'll show you as we study some of that today. That you've known the sacred writings that are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction, for training in righteousness. Yes, the word will do every one of those. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All scripture is inspired by God. Now Second Peter. Peter says about the same thing. These are our main texts for this series. Second Peter, the first chapter. And we'll start with the 19th verse this time. It says, And so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark. Yes, the word of God is compared here as a lamp in the dark. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation or as I said before their own thoughts. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. As I pointed out last time. Peter is saying the same thing that Paul said to Timothy, and that is that the scriptures are in fact a reliable source of the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and the very words of God. They can be trusted. Notice he said there that we have a more sure word here in the written scriptures. And he says that it's not a matter of what somebody thought up on their own, a matter of their own interpretation or thinking, but it's a matter of what God inspired them to write. We said last time that the scripture, the word scripture is in the Greek, the word graphe, G-R-A-P-H-E, and it, it just simply means a writing or a painting that is to communicate a thought or a series of thoughts. The scriptures do just that. They give us the Father's thoughts. They paint a picture for us of what God is, what God wants, and what he thinks in every way, shape, and form. In fact, the more you read this Bible, the more you will be absolutely amazed that it will answer every question you have in life. Now, I guarantee you, you sooner or later will come across a question 
that you think, well, the Bible couldn't answer that, could it? But you'd be amazed that it answers just about every question you could possibly have regarding human life. Now, as I said last time, again, I'll repeat again for the benefit of those who may not have been here, that the written scriptures don't tell you everything as far as the intricate details of your life, of God taking you from point A to point B. There is some praying that you have to do on your own. There is spending time in the Word with God and letting the Spirit of God illuminate to you, that is, to your spirit, not your head necessarily, but illuminate to your spirit what it is that He's trying to get over to you, what He wants for you to do in life, where you're to work, what is your vocation to be, is it to be a minister, is it to be, you know, a business person, because all of those are legitimate. You know, please do not make the error of thinking that everybody who is doing what God wants will go into the ministry. No, that's not true. Some people are not called to the ministry at all. And their job is to do other things, and one of which, of course, is to help the ministries in various capacities through their time and talents and anything else, finances, everything that you can do to aid the kingdom of God. But you'll find out that the principles of life, they're all answered right here in this book. You know, marriage and divorce, all of those things, the things that are covered, children, raising your children, how to discipline your children, those things, they're all covered in the Word. So the things that we meet need, I should say, God has met in the Word. Now, we looked last time at some scriptures that, you know, because you find, and I, it, it's humorous to me, but you find people that, that claim actually to be Christians, but yet in the same breath, they'll say that, that they don't necessarily believe the scriptures, that they don't necessarily believe that this is the Word of God. Sometimes they think, well, it may communicate some kind of a thought, a parable uh, that might tell us a little something that's good for life, but they don't regard it, as Peter and Paul both said here, they don't regard it as being inspired by God, his message to mankind, his word that can be trusted, that can be fully trusted and is completely reliable. They don't see that. I've heard people say, even ministers say, that the Old Testament and even the New, I've heard a few even say the New, the Old Testament is just a bunch of allegories that these people never really existed. There was no Noah, there was no Adam and Eve, there was no Moses, there was no King David. These things are all just stories that people made up and they're not really true. Well, first of all, archaeology, they say that every time a spade goes in the ground, another critic dies. And it's true because they dig up things constantly that just absolutely refute the critics. I'm talking about hard script evidence in archaeology that prove these people were historical people. But aside from that, you need to take that a step further and say, hey, is this really the workings of God? Okay, well, maybe I'll concede that these really were historical people, but did these things really happen to them? And we looked at a number of different scriptures along that line. And, and uh, you know, I'd like to go back to just pick up where we left off around Matthew chapter 22 and show you that Jesus himself, not only did he claim to be God himself, but he also said that these book, this book was reliable. Both the Old and the New Testament, Jesus gave complete and uttermost credence to. That you could not say you're a Christian and not believe this book. If you do, you need to change your thinking because he's right. Jesus is right. You know, I've, I, we stopped off somewhere close to this Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and talked about the time that the Pharisees and the and the Sadducees, you know, would have a dispute about certain parts of the Old Testament. One would interpret it this way, and another group, the Pharisees, would interpret it a different way. Well, the Sadducees asked Jesus a question, and it was a question designed to scoff him, really. You see, they were constantly asking him questions. Now, listen to me. They were constantly asking him questions not to learn, 
but to criticize. We have that ourselves. We have people that are not really interested in believing. They just want to criticize and find out where you're wrong. But it's so humorous to me. I'll tell you, maybe by the end here, if I get some time, I'll tell you why it's so humorous to me that people would actually doubt this book. I'll just relay a personal experience if I don't, if I don't happen to forget, lose time. But anyway, they, they came to Jesus and they were asking him questions. And of course, you know, you need to know why people are asking you questions. Jesus, it says he, he knew their trickery in various places in the scriptures. In other words, he knew what their motive behind the questions were. And when people ask you questions, you need to be able to perceive what their motive is. Sometimes they're not the least bit interested in knowing the truth. They just want to know how you think. They're information seekers, not believers. There is a difference. We're not interested in information seekers. We're interested in believers. And sometimes people will ask you questions that, you know, sometimes even nosy questions. They really don't have any business asking you. And you need to determine why they're asking you because many times they'll cloak it in something innocent, but they're really just trying to pry into your life. You know, let me say it because it's a good place to stop and say this. You know, when we have new people come here, you don't need to ask them where they live. You don't need to ask them where they work. You might think that's innocent, but... They may not want you, and a lot of times people just ask those questions because they're trying to qualify the individual. That's being nosy, and actually, if you want to know the real truth about it, it's being devilish. You're just trying to satisfy your fleshly curiosity and try and size this person up, because if they said Ledoux, then you might think one way. If they said, you know, Arnold, you might think another way. And actually, it's all erroneous anyway, because you could be absolutely surprised at some of those things but in any case it's wrong to do that and I ask you never to do that here in this place don't ask people where they work and don't ask them where they live just talk about puppy dogs talk about fishing talk about deer talk about the weather but don't ask them personal questions many times it's people just trying to pry and I realize some people are just trying to make conversation and they don't really think of it that way but uh, I exhort you not to do that so, but anyway, they asked Jesus a question, and they were trying to trick him. They were not really looking for an answer. They were actually trying to listen to me. They were actually trying to show him how stupid his thinking was, if you can believe that. Now, I've had people try to do that with me in Scripture, and unfortunately, they go away with their tail between their legs because they didn't know it quite as much as they thought they did. Always been able to point out some Scriptures that showed them how stupid they were before they left. But see, they actually were trying to trick Jesus. And they said, they gave this scenario. I'll just give you the background. We went over this a little bit last time, but I'll give you a little background. He said to the, they said to him, well, Jesus, you're talking about resurrection, and we, we Sadducees, we don't believe in resurrection. So let's just give you a hypothetical story here, Jesus. It says in the Word that if a man dies, that somebody next of kin should raise up children for him, marry his wife if they're, if they're widows, and, and, and raise up children for him. And, and that happened to a woman, and it happened that, that, you know, all seven of her husbands died. Well, then, if there is a resurrection, see, this is the motive behind our question. If there really is a resurrection after death, like you say there is, well, then whose wife would she be in the resurrection? And see, they kind of smiled and thought they really had him. He said, but Jesus answered, verse 29, and said to them, hey, you're mistaken, and you don't understand the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they don't marry, nor are they given in marriage. But they're like angels in heaven, as I pointed out last time. It just means angels don't marry. But regarding the resurrection from the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? And then he proceeds to quote Exodus 3.6. And this is when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush. 
God said to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. See, you have to understand that Moses came along some four, five hundred years after Abraham. So what Jesus was trying to tell them that if you had really understood your Bible the way you think you did, you would have known from that passage that God was saying Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not dead. They're still alive, and they're with me. You see, it's one thing to intellectually memorize the Scripture. It's another thing to have revelation of it and know what it means. And some Scriptures are just absolutely replete with revelation. I mean, there are some Scriptures that you could cover and you could see this and you could see that and you could see maybe a dozen revelations or truths from just a single Scripture. But Jesus just happened to, and there's others you could see from that too, but Jesus is just happening to point out that, do you know that just because you guys could quote a scripture doesn't mean you know a scripture? I hope you enjoyed today's message. The title of the message is, Is the Bible Really the Words of God? If you'd like a copy, you can look us up on the web at mrcstl.org or markslay.org. That's M-A-R-K-S-L-A-Y.org. Or you can call our office at 314-965-8488. 314-965-8488. Until next time, this is Reverend Mark Slay reminding you that God is your life.